Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I am your host, one of your hosts today, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Jeff Clossy in the new year. Hey Jay, hey everybody. That was so unenthusiastic for the new year. Really? Yeah. Hey everybody. I don't know, man. I, think I gotta, felt like I was excited. You gotta be... <laughs> <laughs> you should tell your face. Uh, you, there's, well, no one can see my face. That's true. You should tell your voice. <laughs> Here, let me try it again. Hey, Jay. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy 2022. Yeah, 2022. Man. Hey, it, every time now when we get to a new year, I think, hey, remember when 2020 was supposed to be like all these churches created big 2020 visions and pushes and everything like that, and then it just got obliterated. And then we thought like, oh, 2021 is going to be thing. It's now 2022, and we are still in a stupor and days in, in our world. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's, I mean... It's part of what was in my mind, actually, as I was writing and thinking about anticipating Christ in the new year. We just don't know what will come. Right. We, we don't. don't. We really don't. Hey, one thing, though, that I think we do need to touch on before we dive into substantive stuff is... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I have to issue a public apology. Oh. To you. I hope everyone's listening. Yeah. So <laughs> several months ago, Jeff comes into the office and talks about this new game that he got and he's describing it and it's about bird watching a board game about bird watching and i and everyone listening can guess how some people in the office responded yeah i'll just be upfront. <laughs> i i mocked you i could not think of a more boring thing than playing a board game about bird watching uh. Actual bird watching does not excite me. No offense to anyone who bird watchers. I understand that like everybody has different interests, but for me personally, and then to capture all the excitement of bird watching in a virtual form in a board game sounded horrendous. And then wait for it, wait for it. And then at Christmas, my brother and sister-in-law, my sister and brother-in-law, whichever order you want to put that in, my sister-in-law and her husband bought us, bought our family this game. And I opened it and I thought, oh, that's the bird watching game. <laughs> Thank you. And then I decided, well, we got to play it. And I'd heard a lot about it. And I thought, okay. So we played it. And I was wrong. I, I admit now publicly that I repent of my mockery of the bird watching game and of you, Jeff and your family for enjoying said bird watching game. It was delightful. It is so fun. Thank you for that apology. I am glad you're delighting in it <laughs> as much as we have. The game is called wingspan. Yeah. If in case you haven't heard of it yet. And I, I am with you. It sounds like take the activity of bird watching, <laughs> boil it down into a flat board with cards. Right. It, it just sounds bad, but it is so fun. It's the most, one of the most beautiful games I've ever seen. And yes, I would it, encourage you if you're interested in it, look it up. It's fun. It's, I mean, if you've ever played like Settlers of Catan or um, Ticket to Ride or games like that, it, there's a lot of similarities but what it removes is kind of the cutthroat competitive nature of it. Like there's still a competition, but it's it's a little more laid back. And I would read, I, I, 
heard about the game, people talked about how during the pandemic it was so calming. And I was like, what? I don't need a board game to calm me. But there is like a, there, there's, it's fun. And, and there's like no fights um, or very minimal fights. They're not really about the game. The fights that at our house are not about the game at that <laughs> point. Whereas other games, that's not the case. So, so yes, if you're sitting there listening and if you have heard of this game and you have wondered, wait, so you're taking all the excitement of bird watching and putting it into two dimensions and combining it with all the excitement of a board game, somehow it works. And now I appreciate bird watchers even more. I find myself looking at birds and thinking, huh, I wonder what kind of bird that is. Yeah, it's neat. I mean, especially for where we live, because a lot of the birds in it, you can see here, which is pretty cool. It's sold over a million copies since 2020. Like, during, which yeah, is amazing. It is the that, game from the pandemic. I just didn't buy the hype. And so anyway, I just want to make sure everybody heard that. I, I You deserved a, a public... What a great Apology. way to start the year. Yeah, that's my this New Year's awesome. resolution, Jeff, is I'm going to apologize to you more. <laughs> now, to be fair, in order to be able to keep that resolution, I have to offend you, offend you more than oh, I normally no. do. But the good news is I'm going to apologize more. So in order to fulfill my New Year's resolution, I have to... It's kind of like when, you know, if I have a resolution to lose weight, well, I have to gain some, like gain more so that I... like. If I really want to keep that resolution, and that's pretty much what you meant, that's what you were talking about in the sermon. Yes, that's exactly like right. Set up New Year's resolutions to give in to indulgent behavior first, and yes. then you're going to... My 2023 resolution will be to undo what I do in 2022. Oh, man, you're really like... <laughs> I mean, I think that's forward thinking. Yeah. I just think that's forward thinking. So, okay, uh, well, in all seriousness, though, uh, it was a great message. Um, I just listened to it on double time because I was back helping with the kids because everybody in our church who is a member, we asked that they help be a helper. And so Sunday was my time to do that. I went back and helped with uh, the upper elementary with fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. With and, Bill Call. Yeah. And that was That's super, awesome. super fun. Um, but I missed the sermon. So then I had to listen to it later and I listened to you on double time, which I always love because I feel like that puts you right about the pace that I, <laughs> that I, that I move at, you know, like in, in conversation and because you're just so calm. And, um, so it was a great message about, um, I love, I love just how you took new year's resolutions and thought about the anticipation of a new year. And, um, and you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was I, I thought that was a really great point to say our New Year's resolutions kind of reveal what we picture as the good life. That actually kind of re- it's it's very revealing as to what we think would make our life a lot better. Because nobody nobody makes a New Year's resolution about something that they think will make their life worse. Mm-hmm. Um it's all things that we think if, if I could, it's almost this way. It's the moment where we could, if we could wave a magic wand and just make something happen, then, then it would be this. And then that becomes our new year's resolution. And you pointed out like some of the, um, some of the most common ones. Um, so is that something that came up in this, in the preparation for this? Or is that something that you have, noticed a lot in your own life or, or where, where did that, where did that nugget come from? I think as I was just thinking about what directs our life for the new year, mm-hmm. I just was thinking, I mean, the things that I even want, I mean, they fall into those categories often that they're, they're aims I have eat healthier this year, things like that. 
it, it made me think like, okay, so, but if I actually am successful in that, then what, what is that for? And that, that ultimately is a picture of some sort of life that we really want, that we feel like we're missing. And that, that sense of things are not as they ought to be seems to be a universal sense, even when we're not in the middle of what we're in the middle of right now in the world. It's just, it's the part of the gospel, like the brokenness of the world and ourselves that is redeemed in Christ and healed in him that is easy to convince people of because they already believe it. And I think for, depending on your wiring, you see that brokenness in yourself even more than outside yourself. And then you make these resolutions to try to fix that, that Mm -hmm. stuff, whatever it is, you know, it might even be like heart attitudes. Like I'm not going to procrastinate as much this year. There's all sorts of things that there's something about the new year that gives us some time to pause at least for a second and think, how could it be different? Yeah. I think one of the things that, that brings up in my mind is this tension that we have between some, some people would say it's, it's faulty right right out of the gate for a Christian to make a new year's resolution because it's this act of the will. It's this mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, I'm going to change this about myself. And we know you, we can't change those things in ourselves. Um, and yet at the same time, we think there is value in discipline and in, um, and in our faith, uh, faithful effort so how would you help somebody think through, okay, where's the value of making a commitment of saying, okay, I, I do want to take better care of my body. I want to be a better steward of my physical body, um, or I want to make better use of my time, or I want to change the way I interact with my children, or um, any of those situations. How do you how do you strike that tension or that balance then between saying, okay, I, I know this is an act of faithful action, like effort, but I also know that my dependency to actually change how I genuinely interact with my children is coming from the Holy spirit mm-hmm. or how, how to um, be more disciplined and have a better, uh, be more efficient with my time uh, is th- those are there are desire issues and heart issues that are actually the work of the spirit. How do you how do you navigate that? That's a great question. I mean, I think making the the careful distinction between action and attitude and heart mm. is really important. So, like earning from God or changing ourselves ultimately ends up being like a heart attitude that that I'm earning something from Him right now or I'm winning his approval so he'll answer a prayer, whatever in our behavior, that's a heart thing. But the action that we take, I think you can undertake that same action, like to change a habit, for example, with a heart attitude of, God, I cannot do this unless you move in me. Unless you empower me today, I won't love my coworkers like I really want to. But I still am involved in that. So I think so much of it's a heart attitude. As soon as you ask that question, Second Peter one came to mind where uh, he says, for this reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness and goodness, knowledge. And he goes through this list. And so I think that that distinction between action and heart and action and attitude is really important because I mean, it's like when Jesus said in John 15, you can do nothing apart from me. Right. And then there's one author I really like, and he says, 
Yet if you do nothing apart from Christ, they will also be without him. <laughs> so we can, we can also do absolutely nothing with our life and that will be separated from him as well. So I, I do think, I'll, to sum it all up, a, a lot of it has to do with your heart and your attitude towards it. And even as I was describing the real practical things at the end of it, like if you want to have a different sort of prayer life where you want to serve people, I kept thinking, this is only by the Spirit. And I tried to communicate that too, that it's action that we take by the Spirit um, towards these different ends. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's good. I just think it's, I think it's helpful. I think it's important for people to, to have this tension. Like for so long in my life, I just emphasized, I fell into one ditch or the other. Mm-hmm. I either would fall into, okay, I've got to do this. I have to, in my own will, I, I have to, I have to, um, function in this way. And basically what it ends up being is proving to God that I love him, proving to God that I, that I can be a good disciple. And that's, that's obviously really dangerous. But then I fell into the other ditch of saying like, okay, well it's the work of the spirit. So I basically, I'm just going to pray that God makes me want to do those things. And if I don't want to do those things, then it's disingenuous to do it. And therefore, um, discipline kind of went out the window and that's also, um, erroneous. And I think, uh, figuring out that tension between saying, okay, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give a faith driven effort in this. You know, you mentioned, you know, getting up in the morning and being intentional about spending time with God, being conscious of God and, and meditating on him. Well, I need to do that and approach that and say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do that by faith. I'm going to get up and I'm going to do these things and put myself in these positions Um trusting that God is going to continue to work in me. Um, and, and if I can do that well, then that would mean if I, if I do miss a morning that I'm not driven by guilt or think like, okay, well the whole thing's out the window. It's not, it, it, it's, it's worthless now to even try. Why do I even bother anymore? Um, but at the same time be motivated to, to say like, yeah, I know I'm not going to want to every morning. Like I have to, there are times where I need my body to act first and let my heart and my mind catch up. Yes. Right. And, and ultimately we've talked about that before. That's what discipline and will actually is. It's just, it's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to make my body do this thing, trusting that God will stir my heart and my affections and will, will, will bring me there. Like the spirit will, will meet me there. Um, yeah. Sometimes our soul has to catch up with where, our heart is desired something or, or we might even be at the place where I've been here a lot where I desire to desire something. Right. And you just start, you start with where you are and don't go overboard. (laughs) That's why it's, it's simple steps. Right. It's not, I'm going to go from, I don't memorize any scripture to I memorize a chapter a day. That's not helpful. Right. But it might be, I'm going to do a sentence a week. Yep. I'm going to start there. Um, it's, these resolutions too, I think we're, we're talking about resolutions of following Christ really when we're in our context. It's, it's really different for each one of us, depending on our life, depending on where we are. Um, I don't think you could give just one prescription that would work for every single one of us with where we are. We know like the general aims are going to be similar, but the practicality of how it works out is different. Yeah, It's just going to be different and nuanced. Yeah. I think one thing that I found helpful is to start small and plan for growth. Yes, so that's great. You think about exercising. I mean, there's all kinds of examples of this. 
Uh, I always think of the couch to 5K programs that they have out there. The idea that it is it is small steps, but it, it has to be both, right? Like you you start small because if you never memorize scripture and you just decide like, well, I need to memorize scripture. And if I really love God, then I'll love his word. And so then I should memorize it. And I saw this person memorized Philippians. And so I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Well, you're biting off more than you can chew and you're kind of setting yourself up for failure and not actually to receive any of the gifts from it. But on the, on the other hand, it can, and then it can feel like, well, if I just memorize a sentence, like, does that really even count? And we can buy into the idea that, like, well, it doesn't count. You know, or if I want to start giving, it doesn't count if I don't give a lot or it doesn't count if I don't do enough. And so um, it's really important to, just like if you were completely out of shape and you wanted to run a marathon, it's totally appropriate that the first day that you spend in that path that you would go for a walk and that you just try walking for 10 minutes. And if that pushes you, then that's what you do. And But then the other side of that is to plan for growth. Because in that same way, if you train for a marathon, if your plan is to train for a marathon, and the first thing you can do is walk for 10 minutes, then, but you only do that for the next six months, you walk for 10 minutes, you're not gonna be ready to run a marathon. Yeah, that's really, that's a great example. You're going to be ready to walk for 10 minutes. That's what you're going to be ready to do. And so, um, so those are that, that's, I found that to be helpful is to just say, okay, I want to, I want to do this. And then I just want to, I want to add, I want to add a little bit of time each week or each month, or I want to add, I want to, you know, memorize a little bit bigger verse. There's actually desiring God used to have a, um, I think they're called fighter verses. Yes. Um, and it was just this, I think you can get on PDF, but you could also order like a little spiral thing. And it was really good about that. It started with simpler verses and then kind of would build up from there. And um, that can be really helpful. There's lots of ways to do that. So, well, those yeah. tools are a good example going back to the, the parallel with physical training. So a tool like a fighter verse or right. I cut my teeth on the topical memory system that the navigators put out. Those tools are similar to when you would buy running shoes to start running. Like there's some preparation and thought that goes into the activity that you want to undertake. And that's a good example of it. That's just a tool that will enable you to do it in a way that you couldn't have without it. But whatever it is, I mean, the thing that really excited me as I studied this passage was this sense that we are joining God in what he is doing in the world. So we're not just self-made human beings, right? Who just have our own aims and ambitions. We're joining God in what he's doing and he is actively reigning. Jesus is right now actively advancing God's kingdom on this earth. He's new people are coming to him. He's reigning in hearts he didn't reign in yesterday, today. It's really exciting. Yeah. And we are we are coming alongside of him in that. To me that was so much more motivating than just thinking about well, how, how could I feel more comfortable this year? You know, if I eat healthier, will I feel better? Probably that's a good thing, but the kingdom of God and his righteousness is such a better aim. And then ultimately I will get those other things thrown in. I love that Jesus says, and all these things will be added to you as you, as you seek his kingdom. That's so good. And it's what, it's the way Christians obviously should. I mean, that's the huge joy of being a part of the mission of God is that it's, Otherwise, it could very easily go into self-help 
exactly. kind of stuff of just well, like be your best version of yourself, enjoy your life the most. But when you realize that we are filled up in order to pour out, well, then it, it changes the shape of everything. So it is a, it's a completely legitimate New Year's resolution for somebody who says, you know what, I'm, I'm out of shape. I need to exercise because I run out of energy. Hmm. I don't have the energy to do, to serve in the way that I want to. Um, I, you know, I find that by the time I get done with my work day, I just, I don't have any energy. And, and so I want to get in shape so that I can be more present and ready so that I can go and, you know, go volunteer at Casa or I can be more present with my kids or I can have my neighbors over for dinner. You know, um, someone might have the new year's resolution of like wanting to learn to cook. And, and so then they can use that to serve people. Um, we really should have this vision that God is, like you said, doing all of these things around us and we just want to be a part of it and we want to be available. And, we all have been wired in different ways. And so we have different roles that we are to play, but there are ways that we can play it in a, in a more present and more um, joyful way, uh, largely because we're more aware. Like if, you know, when you're, when you spend time with God every morning, the great joy of that is, is abiding in him and you will see him working throughout the day more, which will stir your faith and your affections for him more. And it's just this like exponentially, you know, growing thing that, that is really incredible. Um, that's good. Hopefully that's helpful. I, I have another thing you, you talked about anxiety and worry, um, quite a bit in that. So I, I'm kind of doing these out of order, but that's, that's my jam. It's great. Um, we're just flying with it. So you talked about anxiety and, and, and worry. And one of the things that you pointed out, that's such a simple thing, but really important is you, you know, said anxiety and worry is nothing new. And, it does seem to be on the rise. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this before of how it's interesting that uh, we are the wealthiest and most comfortable um, people in the history of the world. And our anxiety is arguably the highest. And so I'm curious, like um, there is a way in which our anxiety and our worry is an internal issue. And there are also external factors. You talked about, you know, the ruthless elimination of hurry and how we do this to ourselves. And so you're alluding to the fact that there are external factors and circumstances that are at play, but not only those, it's also an, um, you know, an internal issue going on. I mean, for example, there are people in the world who might say, if I had access to clean drinking water, I don't, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. Like that's my only worry. Well, we would look at that and say, that's a legitimate concern uh, that, that definitely should be taken care of. But we also know that, you know, you and I don't ever worry about access to clean drinking water. Um, and yet we have plenty of other things that we worry about. And so we have enough life experience to know that I think everybody has had the experience of saying, man, if this thing got taken care of, I would be totally at peace. I wouldn't have anything else to worry about. But that's only because that's the thing that is at the forefront of my mind in that moment. And then once that's gone, something else fills that void. So how do you, so much like the tension between our own effort and the work of God, how do you navigate when you're looking at your life and and determining, is this is this a circumstance that I need to change or is this actually my response to this circumstance that makes it a thing? 
Yeah, it's a you know, great question. Because here's another example that you see. Like right now, you see a lot of younger adults talking about getting out of the rat race, not being enslaved by a mortgage and by a job, a dead-end you know, job, working your whole life, um, hoping for retirement. And I agree with that. Like I agree overall with, yeah, don't, don't make your life about just accumulating stuff with the hopes that when you're 65, you can then go and live like the life that you always wanted to live. Amen to that. But the response that then has been to absolve myself of all responsibility and all things and and the feeling of like freedom means I'm not responsible for anything. Nobody ever counts on me. I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And what they're finding is that's really empty too. And so how do you know when, you know what, the, the problem here is like what's causing a lot of anxiety and stress is this job that I took and I need to downgrade my job. How do you know it when it's that? And when it's the heart issue of like, no, my issue is I need to be content in this. I need to find peace in the midst of these circumstances. That's a, I mean, that's a great question. I think you're getting at why this isn't a simple, it's not simple. I would say the answer to that question, it might be obvious if once you pose that question to someone, they might immediately know yeah, actually it's my heart. It's the way I approach this thing rather than the thing itself that needs to change. But I would say that, that I don't know that there's a rule I have that would be helpful other than to say, for me, I think my default setting is, this is probably personality based. My default setting is almost always something internal with me needs to shift. That's just the way I approach it. Some other people listening might right now might say, actually, my default is to think it's something wrong with the thing itself, the circumstance. And I would say people like me need people like you in, in our life. We need to balance each other out, basically. Um, you know, that worry and anxiousness tend to become a habit. So like mm, you said, you know, sometimes we have an upcoming thing. Maybe it's a presentation at work, you know, or it's a, a task that you have to do. And you can live as if once that task is done, your worry will go away. Unfortunately, what I have found in my own life is when I live that way, I find the next day I have just something else I'm churning on because that worry and anxiousness has actually become habit to me. It's the way I approach the world. And so I think Jesus's invitation, why this is so deep, what he's getting at is a invitation to a totally different way of approaching a difficult circumstance. Because you can actually have stress, and I think stress can be a little different than worry worry tends to be how we think about what what's going on and stress is the feeling we have as we do it usually mm-hmm. so like in emergency situation like an accident of some kind we're going to feel stress but usually we're not worried in the middle of it because we're just going through it worry and anxiousness tends to be pre i think for me at least it's before a thing happens um and i would say that that for me it's a habit that with christ's grace he has brought great healing in me, but it's not something that I'm done with at all. I mean, I, I'm not immune from churning in my own heart over something that might be or could be or is upcoming. So I, I like that you made that distinction though. I mean, there are situations where we actually have to change the circumstance to the best of our ability. We've overcommitted. Like I've had conversations with people right. where I say, you just, you've got to eliminate one or two of these commitments because you can't do all these commitments well. 
So there are, there are times, and I think that's where we need each other as a church. We need to be a family together where we talk about these things with each other to get insights, to know. Yeah, and that's, that's what's so hard about, you know, people don't always understand, I think, when you're preaching a sermon, you're preaching to all these different people. Even if you're preaching to 20 people, those are 20 different people with 20 different sets of motivation, more than 20 different sets of motivations, like, because we all have multiple of that. And so if you just tell somebody, hey, you need to slow down, well, there's going to be at least a section of people in there who their problem is they need to speed up. Yes. Like their problem is they just, they get overwhelmed. You know, like there, some of us are wired where if you have one thing going on during the day, you feel like your day is full. And there are other people who overpack their schedule. And so it's it's not a one size um, fits all. But I think what's what's really helpful there and, and um, really important is to start with your heart. It rhymed. That means Ooh, it's Baptist. I like that. Alliteration and rhyming. Is <laughs> so, but start there because the heart is always an issue. Like we, we need to default to the heart is always the issue, is always an issue and is always the starting point because once that is abiding in Christ and in line and in tune with the Holy Spirit, then you can see clearly to see what else needs to be done. So in my life, there have been many times. Now, sometimes there are exceptions to all of this. There are times where you just say, I can't, like, I can't see clearly. I can't think I have to, I have to remove myself from this situation or I have to, you know, sometimes it's been here. Like, you know, you go on a spiritual retreat because you're just like, I can't block out the noise of what's going on right now to hear from God clearly. So there are elements of that, but ultimately like by and large, um, like my first step in that is I want to make sure that I'm abiding in Christ. I want to make sure that my heart is pursuing the kingdom, is desiring Jesus, is wanting to trust him, is is acting in faith in that. Then when I'm from that point, now I can see clearly. We all know that there are states of mind where we have better discernment than others. Like if you're sleep deprived and and hungry, like the whole hangry thing, like I who makes a good decision when you're when you're hungry and tired? And people are yelling around you like nobody. That's not when you see things clearly. Um, but when you are abiding in Christ now, what do I see? Because, and here's why that's so critical. I mean, so critical for a lot of reasons, but one is what you may see is the circumstances are legitimately hard and are adding pressure to your life, but that God is actually asking you to walk through it. And sometimes that's because you don't have a choice. So a, a cancer diagnosis, like nobody's going to say, Hey, you know, it'd be, you know, no one, it's not going to be a shock to anybody to say, I think that would probably lighten your load if you got rid of cancer. Yes. But that's not an option in that situation. So, so a contentment in, in God and, and, um, getting the heart in the right situation allows you to walk through a circumstance where God says, no, I'm not going to remove this thorn. This is the road. I want you to stay in this job. I want you to stay um, here, or I want you to to deal with this. Um, it also could give you clarity that you now see how God is leading you out of a situation. He's leading you out of this job. He's that he's releasing. Like maybe 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 the reason the circumstance that needs to change is not changing because you have felt this. Um, ungodly pressure, like a, um, pleasing man or money or whatever, like there are other motivations. And now as you're in tune with the Holy spirit, you look at that and it's exposed for what it is. And you're able to say, you know what? I, I don't want that. I want this other thing. 
Um, and then, and then other times it just gives you the freedom to just kind of choose to say, now all of a sudden I'm content, I'm in a much healthier place spiritually. So now all of a sudden my job doesn't actually stress me out that much and I could leave it or I could not, you know, like I could do this or I could do that. I could, um, we could move from this house or we, you know, any of those different things. And, and it just removes like some of the pressure off of that decision. But whatever we do, I think, um, it's important to remember that the heart comes first and that the external circumstances, a change in external circumstances can never change your heart. Your a heart change can impact external circumstances, but it doesn't go the other way around. So your heart won't magically just get healthier because you got rid of the full plate. It's what you then do with that extra time or whatever. And I don't know if it's Warren Buffett or somebody, I think it was Warren Buffett when he was asked how much, how much money is it is enough. And he said, just a little more. And he's being kind of ironic. I think it was him. Maybe it was somebody else. I don't know, but it was, it was, he was calling out whoever it was that said it was calling out the idea that you, there's no such thing because if your pursuit is money, it'll always just be a little bit more. If your pursuit is freedom of your time and like just wanting to have freedom and, and not, and not have anything pressing in on you at all, you'll never have a free enough schedule. You know, that's when you'll say like, Oh, I've got a thing on Tuesday. My week is so full. Um, if you're pursuing whatever you're pursuing, those things that aren't the kingdom, it'll never, it'll never be enough. And so that's why pursuing the kingdom is not finding your hope in, 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 in pursuing the food or the shelter or, you know, any of those things, but in the giver of all those things. And in that you end up, being content. It's really true. It made me think of a question that I will often ask myself and I've asked other people when they come to me with like the list of things that is currently making them worry. The question is, God, what are you doing in this? Yeah. What are you going to accomplish mm -hmm. in it? And sometimes we don't know the answer to the question, but actually entering the space in your mind and in your heart where yeah. you're dwelling with Jesus and asking that can totally shift how it feels to be more like what is described in Matthew 6, where God is at hand, he's present with us, and he's going to walk through it with us, whatever the thing is. So the diagnosis, for example, I, mean, I feel like I've known a number of people right now in my life where that's happened in the yeah. last you know few months. And the question of God, what will you do through this for your kingdom? It just changes how those things feel. It doesn't remove a bad situation or horrible news. It doesn't no. change that, but our heart and our soul can really shift because we put our focus upon the one who actually has the control and power and love our heavenly father. He's the one that takes care of us. Yeah. And if we're seeking the kingdom first, that that's actually our aim. Like you talked about our aim and our desire and our ambition, then even when we're going through those hard circumstances, we know that that what he's doing in us is the thing we really want. So we may not like the circumstance, but we are going to love the fruit of that. And, uh, we can trust him to walk through that with him. So, um, yeah, I hope, I hope this is helpful. Like, as you go into the new year, um, I want to mention, you know, we have, we have the reading plan, the Bible reading plan, the same one that we did last year. We're, we're offering that again. So that's one of those helps. If you're, if your new year's resolution to abide in Christ more and to seek the kingdom more is to, is to practice that daily habit of being in the word. And you're not sure where to start. We have the reading plan, um, 
available for you in both the whole Bible and then just the New Testament and Psalms. Um, or if you need other uh, helps or resources, if there's something that you're wanting to build into this year, let us know. And we are more than happy to um, give recommendations or help you think through uh, how to just how to put yourself into a position um, to be open to the Holy Spirit kind of building these things in you over this next year. So I don't know about you, but Jeff, but I am excited for 2022. Yes. So uh, we'll see what happens. Um, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to listen. Hope it's been helpful. Until next time, grace and peace. Mm-hmm.